Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the May 2014 CTSS quiz. We have 10 terrific cases for you, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy them, and hopefully enjoy doing them. So without any further ado, let's get started. This case is interesting. I asked you for the best diagnosis, and what you can see is a mass in the antrum of the stomach. If you look very carefully, the mass is low density, looks the same as retroperitoneal fat, and this was one of the larger gastric lipomas I've seen. Usually they're asymptomatic and incidental findings, as was the case here. Once in a while they can intersuscept, and occasionally they can bleed. The other choices are just not going to make it in this case. This is a classic gastric lipoma, home run diagnosis. Next case. This is a nice case. I'm giving you two MIP images which show you a miliary pattern in the lung fields. And I ask you what the least likely diagnosis is. And when you look at this, you can think about infectious etiologies that give you tiny nodules ranging from measles to miliary tuberculosis. One of the appearances of sarcoidosis can be these miliary nodules. And metastatic thyroid cancer classic gives you miliary nodules. Uh, multiple nodules in the lung that are larger, we think about renal cell carcinoma. The one thing this is not going to be is lymphoma. Primary lymphoma can occur in the lung, but usually it's masses or usually a single mass. It's a solid mass, typically also with adenopathy. Occasionally it has the appearance of a bronchoalveolar cell carcinoma, but it does not have this miliary pattern. And so the least likely diagnosis is C, pulmonary lymphoma. In this case, I'm asking you for the best diagnosis. I'm giving you two images. The axial images, I see a pectus deformity, and when you look at the aortic root, it's dilated, but the key finding here is a bicuspid valve. Then I show you that the patient has a dilated root, but it's really the sinus of Valsalva, and beyond that, the aorta looks okay. So now you think for a second, what gives you a dilated root, particularly sinus of Valsalva, what can give you a bicuspid valve? What can give you pectus deformity? And you're thinking Marfan syndrome. And indeed, you're going to be correct. This is an interesting case. This patient had abdominal pain, and I asked you for the best diagnosis. And when you look at the axial imaging and look at the 3D imaging, what you see is a mass in the left upper quadrant pushing on the stomach near the spleen that enhances like a vessel. And when you look at it, you know it's a pseudoaneurysm. Occasionally, neuroendocrine tumors and small pseudoaneurysms can look similar, but here you can see what looks like thrombus around the pseudoaneurysm. It's not an AV fistula. You don't see draining veins, and it's not a gastric mass with ulceration, though I have seen gastric masses bleed, like with gist tumors, but not this nice round structure. And this structure and the location is classic for splenic artery pseudoaneurysm. These either are resected or embolized because they easily can rupture and the patient can exsanguinate and die. This is a great case. And I asked you, why are the intercostal arteries dilated? And you can see them in the mid-chest. And usually, it's a classic diagnosis. And then when you look at the 3D, you see a stent in place just past the left subclavian. Why was the stent placed there? You may say, aha, trauma, aha, dissection. But that's the perfect location for coarctation of the aorta, just past the left subclavian. And coarctation does give you dilated intercostals. So that's the answer. A beautiful example of a patient who was treated a bit later in life for coarctation and had those intercostals as collateral pathways of flow. You also see collaterals through the internal mammaries.
This is a great case, arterial phase and venous phase imaging. You see very vascular, multiple vascular lesions in the spleen that kind of fill in. And if I showed you these in the liver, you would say hemangioma. And when I show you these in the spleen, you say splenic hemangioma. Now, hematomas can be somewhat vascular. And yes, metastasis from renal cell carcinoma can be vascular. And yes, angiosarcoma can be vascular. But angiosarcoma, typically in patients who also have a high density within the spleen and liver, uh, very, very rare metastasis. Again, I'm not showing you the kidney, so theoretically the patient could have an absent left kidney. But statistically, I'm going to say this is a splenic hemangioma or hemangiomas, and that indeed is the case. Very nice example. This is CT colonoscopy, virtual colonoscopy, and I asked you the, for the best diagnosis. You see on the 3D endoluminal views what looks like a polyp. And now you telling benign and malignant polyps can be hard unless they're really small and you assume they're benign. But what are you looking at? When you look at the axial image, you see how bright the structure is? It's not a polyp. It's not simply stool. It's stool coated with barium. Remember, we give positive contrast the night before, barium powder, and the goal of that is to help you avoid mistakes, like calling this a polyp. And this was simply stool coated barium. Just a very nice example. I say that the first study is read as positive for the section, and the second study is normal. How do you explain this? Well, the first study was read as a dissection at an outside hospital. Mistakes are always made at outside hospitals. Patient was brought in, and they did a TEE on the table, which was negative. That's a bad sign. Brought the patient down to CT. We gated the study, and you can see how nice the ascending aorta is. Now, you can have problems if you don't gate the ascending aorta. But in this case, they should not have made that mistake. Look at all those linear lines cutting through the pulmonary artery and the aorta and the uh, SVC. You knew this had to be motion, particularly when you looked at the full sequence of images. But sometimes people don't think that. Patients come in with chest pains that they assume there was a dissection. Critical finding, critical interpretation. Gate your patients for ascending aorta. And if you don't gate them, be very, very careful. So this indeed is a normal aorta. This is an interesting case, and I've only seen a couple of these. You look at, this is part of a cardiac CT, and you look at the patient's left atrium, and you see it has an outpouching. You can see that on the, on the coronal view as well. And that outpouching seems to be going into the right atrium. What is this? Now, you might think about an ASD, but it wouldn't be so sharply defined, and it wouldn't be so dense. Myxoma is a filling defect in the left atrium, or occasionally right atrium. Could it be an aneurysm? Those are pretty rare. And why is it pushing into the patient's right atrium? So this is the appearance of an atrial septal aneurysm, a very classic and very unusual diagnosis. And these are typically repaired uh, because these patients can become symptomatic. Very nice example of the study. This is a great case. Um, What's the most likely diagnosis associated with this left adrenal nodule? And if you look at the axials, coronals, you see a one centimeter nodule. Now, perhaps it could be an incidental adenoma. That's a possibility. But we're saying this patient has one syndrome. Well, Cushing syndrome is most commonly associated with carcinoma, can be simply adenomas, but they're larger. 
And Turner syndrome and McCune-Albright syndrome, to my knowledge, have no specific adrenal findings. Kahn syndrome, which is what happens when you have hyperaldosteronism and you have these aldosteronomas. And those lesions range from one to two centimeters in size, but many of them are one centimeter in size. And this is a wonderful example of an aldosteronoma localized to the left adrenal gland. Well, I've now shown you 10 terrific cases. I hope you got them all right, but more importantly, I hope you learned something. And with that, we'll see you next month.